This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 82. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I am really good. I am just obsessed right now uh, with looking at the artwork of who we're interviewing today. I know. It, it's it's some really outstanding work. So who are we interviewing, Lisa? We are interviewing Holly Siniskal. All right. Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Why don't you start by telling us how long you've been creating art and how long you've been creating colored pencil work? Just as a, you know, a child that uh, it's the the favorite thing that I'd love to do because I'm old and we didn't have all the cool gadgets that they have now to entertain yourself. And uh, so the only thing I had to entertain myself was a pencil. And so it just came from there. And then we moved around a lot. So it was just something that I just keep doing and just kind of make my own world. If I didn't really like what was going on, I would just disappear in a drawing. Really? Now, were you into colored pencil as a child, or was that doing graphite? Uh, Ticonderosa, the big yellow pencil with the nice eraser on the back. And that, that was my tool. In fact, I remember uh, thinking that I had made a giant discovery when I took a Q-tip and started smudging my pencil. <laughs> I thought, oh, no one has ever done this before, you know. Oh, I I could make a tool out of this. And then, of course, later on, I found out about tortillions and smudge sticks and stuff like that. But (laughs) And and then uh, out of high school, the only real skill I had was drawing. So I would go around looking for art jobs and whatever they were advertising, I could do. You need someone to make blueprints, I can make blueprints. You need someone to draw architectural drawings of houses, I can do that. And then, of course, I'd have to go figure out how that's made. But it, it was nice because back in the in the 80s, there were art jobs. There were not computers. So if, if you needed floor plans inked, you know, you had to get a person to ink a floor plan. And so I just got lots of jobs from there. And it just kind of built on to, uh, I worked uh, for a magazine doing layout for the magazine. And I got to do little schematics and flow charts and all that wonderful artistic stuff. And that just... I, I kind of built that into being the art director for the magazine. It's a, a technical audio magazine. And that's where I met my husband about uh, 35 years ago. And then we just started raising kids. And that kind of sidetracked the art because I can only do one thing at a time, basically. <laughs> and when I was taking them to school and they started school, we had a little private school across the street and they were looking for an art teacher. So I said, I can do that. So I started teaching them art. And when I was looking over the classroom to see what materials I had to work with, because it was a very small, not very profitable, you know, school. So I was trying to make do with what they had. And I found these, uh, these books by Bernard Poulin, I think his name is. And they were color pencil technique books. And I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen color pencils before. And I was just blown away by what you can do with them. And uh, also because I didn't have a sink, I didn't have a classroom. 
I didn't have, you know, I basically had to go from classroom to classroom to teach the kids. <laughs> uh, wow. Pencils were great. Yeah. You know, no mess. No, the, the teachers loved it because they didn't have to clean up after the, right. the mess. So that was basically how it happened. Wow, that is pretty cool that you're able to, to do that in a classroom setting like that. Now, I'm guessing, I mean, it was more like probably just childhood kind of art for the for the kids or whatever, but just being able to introduce them to colored pencil. And were you doing more serious colored pencil work at that point after you saw Bernard's book? And I guess you probably started creating some of these more serious renderings. No, I, I was basically uh, just trying to, because I was teaching first grade through high school, mm-hmm. that it, it kind of like took up all my time to just plan out what I was going to teach yeah. the kids and, and carry that out. So I really, it wasn't until it, my children started leaving the nest that I all of a sudden had all this time. So how many kids do you have? I have two. I have my daughter, Abby, who is an artist in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I have my son who is in his uh, final year of law school, hating life right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Abby is the subject matter of most of your portraiture work, is that correct? Yes. She is a very intuitive person. She knows exactly what it is that I'm trying to convey in my art. Uh-huh. And she just, you know, I, I can throw her, like, here, here has some Christmas lights. Do something with that. And she'll just have the most beautiful shapes. She'll she'll put herself in beautiful positions. So what is it you're trying to convey? I just, I fall in love with images in my head and I just have to put them on paper and I get very like obsessive if I can't do it correctly. So I have to like get lots of reference shots and poor Abby is forever being bended in different positions. And, and dunked underwater. <laughs> And dunked in water, yes, the, the bathtub. I'm trying to convince her. I've been working on one piece I, that I've been working on, and she just doesn't want to go get water all over herself again. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you won't drown this time. I love hearing from another artist when someone asks, well, what is the meaning behind? What made you do that? And you, that... I don't know. That's just what I like. I love that answer because I always feel the same way when people put me on the spot, when they're just, you know, well, why are you doing this? What made you think to do that? I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I admire the people who have this wonderful dialogue of, of what they're trying to convey and, and the meaning behind everything. <laughs> and I'm like, I just like the way it looks. <laughs> yeah. I, it just, I like it. And I enjoy so much color. And I love the, the light. And, and I love transition from, from one color to another color. It's just fascinating, especially the canvas is skin. So it's just that it's all just lights and, and shapes. And, and that's about it. <laughs> Well, I think it's a perfect answer because I can never come up with anything. Oh, well, thank you. I, I just love your portfolio, though. I mean, and there is some definite consistency in uh, your work and the body of work that you have. So talk to us a little bit about your chosen uh, line of pencils and the support you use. Well, I started with the Prismacolors and the Stonehenge paper. Mm-hmm. And I started off, you know, I actually took uh, an Ann Kohlberg workshop, which is a wonderful thing to do to, to get, you know, just to see how other people do it. And so, you know, just really what is too light on a color pencil? How yeah. how should you be shading? And and then from there, I, I noticed that I, I like more saturated colors and a lot of depth of colors. So 
I went from the, the Stonehenge paper and to the watercolor paper, the Arches watercolor paper with uh-huh. the Prismacolors, because I can now like really beat up and layer a lot on that paper and it just takes it. Like, uh, I remember doing, I, I gave a little workshop one time and I was showing people how to use the Odalis Terpenoid uh-huh. and they were like freaked out by how hard I scrubbed the Terpenoid with a really like toothbrush into the paper. Yeah, but on that Arches watercolor paper, it's able to, to take that uh, yeah, a lot yeah. more. So is that what you used for Water Lily 2? Water Lily 2 is, no, when I'm trying to make it very flat and mirror-like, that, that is Stonehenge because it, it does have a tooth. The, the watercolor paper has a tooth and it yeah. has a uh, rumply surface. Right. So that, you know, when you're doing like water, you really want, especially if you're looking down into water, you want that flat surface. So did you burnish on this one? Did you use solvents or both? I use solvents. That was the first time I was using solvents on Strathmore. I really like I really like this. I mean, it has a real painterly kind of look. So on the watercolor, the Arches watercolor paper, are you using hot pressed? Cold pressed. Cold pressed. Okay. Yeah, that the rumply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Are we boring you, Lisa? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm listening to these images. I'm fascinated by the artwork right now. Leave me alone. I can't talk. Leave me alone. I'm looking. You're right. <laughs> I'm actually doing Black Friday shopping right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds like you really know Lisa very well, <laughs> I tell you. So I notice also that you've done some watercolor mixing in here as well, and you've got some pen and ink on Stonehenge, I see. Really oh, yeah. fascinating stuff. I like yeah, that's that. from my architectural days. Gotcha. <laughs> I find it really fascinating that you figured all of these things out when you said you were just going to figure out what you needed to do early on in, in art, your art without Google. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you it's do It's so that? hard to imagine being able to figure stuff out like that without being able to look it yeah. up. Google goes down. I just go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was either books or I would take, a, I would go to community college and take some classes. And uh, which is my spotty art, you know, my art education. <laughs> it was like, I'll take a few classes here and I'll take a few classes there and see if I can figure this stuff out. That's so cool. Oh, are you still teaching at the school like you were doing when your kids were going there? No, I, I uh, after the kids left, I left. <laughs> <laughs> so once you stopped teaching at your kids' school, what did you do from there? I decided that I really liked that color pencil a lot. And it feels so natural to me because I've always drawn. And so it's just a natural progression. So I started just getting every book on the subject and just reading and taking workshops and just learning as much as I possibly can and, and reading all the magazines. All I think there's two of them. And just basically finding out what other people do and try it and see what happens and then just build on that information. Then also, I noticed when uh, my daughter was in high school, she being an artist and she was interested in photography she would do these elaborate photo shoots and I marveled at her ability to set these things up and just go with a vision and pursue it just tenaciously without anything just doing it and I figured why can't I do that I mean I my whole life I was doing stuff for other people Mm -hmm. you know draw this tree draw you know draw my dead dog and all this stuff and and here I could actually pursue stuff that I like to draw and I can make my own elaborate scenes and reference photos and all that. And so, you know, it was that basically my daughter gave me permission to be creative. So before that time, it never kind of occurred to you. You were doing commissions, though, I take it, sounds like? Yeah, yeah, I was doing commi- I just, I just said yes mm-hmm. to everything. And uh, commissions, just 
everything. And it just, you get into that mindset that you can only do your art to make money and to exist. And the, the freedom of creation wasn't even in my realm of thinking at that time. So what about now? Do you do commissions or do you only work on your stuff? I only work on my stuff. I I won't do any more dead dogs <laughs> and, you know, kids and right. things like that. I laugh because you know we've all been, yeah. we've all done that. <laughs> and, and, the, and I'm a sucker for it. If you tell me your friend's, you know, pet has perished, I am right there. I'll, I'll do a memorial. Yeah. I'll do it. Oh, yeah. I try not to, but nah, I still do it. <laughs> <laughs> so now you enter a lot of art shows, it looks like. I am a sucker for the online thing, yes. I I do like that because I don't have an art support group here. And other than my daughter, who thinks I'm brilliant anyway, there's no one who will tell me, oh, God, that sucks. Don't do that. And so I, I kind of rely on either the pass or fail of joining, or, you know, putting something in an art show, you know, online. If there's like a, a bunch of people trying to get into one of these shows and, and I make it, then I guess I'm doing right. I'm doing it okay. So that's basically, you know, one of the reasons why I do that. Do do you have any tips for other artists who are interested in getting into those shows? Things to watch out for, things to aim for, attitudes to or not to have? Yeah, just just know that, uh, you know, judges are people and people have their own tastes. So never, ever, ever get upset that you didn't get chosen. Because I actually had to be a judge once and, and that I'll never do that again. That was horrendous, you know, the pressure of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and also get really good pictures. Learn how to get a good camera and learn how to use it or have a daughter who does, you know, send that daughter <laughs> to photography school and then she'll come back and she'll take all the pictures for free. <laughs> well, kind of. And uh, yeah. So what tips would you give to a younger artist that is kind of just starting out in colored pencil? I would say just get the books and, and learn, watch other people do it. And experiment and just know, give yourself permission to experiment and play. Yeah. Because that that's how you learn, really. It's like, well, what happens if I put color pencil on top of ink? Or what happens when I put color pencil on top of a watercolor? And can I then put something on top right. of that? And, you know, I have a drawer full of monsters and mistakes that I keep just so that I can go back and say, ah, okay, I know I'm not going right. to do that again, so... So what kind of goals do you have in the future? Where, where are you going? Where, what kind of things are you looking forward to? Uh, getting more people to, to pose for me. Because yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've tried to get other people. That's a hard <laughs> thing, isn't it? I was that creeper at yeah, the restaurant yeah, saying, hi, I'm an artist and you have a really interesting look and I would like to draw you. You know, I totally understand that. That's the curse of a portraiture uh, artist. Oh, I don't know how to get over that. I, I ask random strangers sometimes, and some of them just start walking very quickly in the other direction. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I think it's really awkward, too. I remember one of my friends, her brother it was, like, model gorgeous. And I said, I would love to draw him. He's very pretty. And how do you word that without <laughs> sounding like you're hitting on her little brother? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> or you're an old person. I want to draw you. you got a lot of lines in your face you know yeah it's i love like, your yeah. wrinkles yeah yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> to capture that you know yeah i don't it's weird i don't know i don't know how to do that so i was hoping you could help me out with that <laughs> no i can't i cannot because i i've done it twice and i am a, a very shy person i mean yeah. this is like painful <laughs> and just 
get, you know, I'm like shaking. I'm handing him my business card. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, oh mm-hmm. God, it was, yeah, I just got my creeper status. Right. So, yeah. I'd say you could probably post an ad in Craigslist, but that might get That'd you some. That'd be even more creepy, I think. Responses <laughs> oh, that you no. don't really want. No, and the modeling things, oh, I got talked into posting, my daughter, thank you, Abby, uh, made me post on a modeling website that wanted models, and you don't even want to know what I got Yeah, back. I've done that too. Oh, oh it's frightening. The people out there are very... <laughs> it's a hard thing. I don't know how to how to do that, but that's good to hear that I'm not alone. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> yes. that I would like to broaden my horizon of models, but I'm kind of happy with the one I've got right now. She's... Yeah. Perfect. I love the photos that you're getting, the clothing, the hair, everything is just so I am so in love with your style. Oh, thank you. You know, when I'm when I'm looking at what you've written here about your uh, your artist statement on your on your site, hollyarts1.com, we'll have that in the show notes for anyone interested, which I'm sure you will be after you see her art. But you talk about how that you're exaggerating their individualistic qualities and you're you know you're drawing something out of your subject matter so can you talk to us a little bit about that i mean it's you're not doing a strict photo representation are you no no in fact people don't believe that that's the same person my i have the same model for all of these things and and it's because i i'm not looking to make it an accurate portraiture right. i'm trying to get uh, a narrative that i that i've designed in my head see i love that you're using references in the way that i think uh, art students ought to use them i mean it's just it's a reference you know don't be a slave to it yeah it, you know and and uh, sometimes she has eyebrows sometimes she doesn't have eyebrows right. you know it's just it, it's just how it it goes uh-huh. when you're when you're drawing and you're in that moment and you know it just what would happen if i do this or maybe if i saturate this color a little bit right. more it's yeah that is awesome. If if you think about like a an absolute beginner, what are some of the first things that they should do other than, you know, look at books and and uh, experiment? Are there any kind of, you know, specific things that you would recommend, specific pencils or paper or anything like that or techniques that you think is a good place to start? Okay, well, because I started with the colored pencil techniques of um, Bernard Poulin mm-hmm. and also naturally because I did pen and ink for so right. many years, I started off with the hatching and cross hatching, which is something that you know new people to the to using the colored pencils definitely try the crossing and cross hatching because it's all how you put down the pencil stroke right you can definitely have strokes or you can be so light as to burnish them through many layers Mm -hmm. with light strokes so you don't even see a stroke because you know i burnish so much that you don't even see a pencil stroke anymore now, do you still, do you use like linear strokes now? Do you, will you switch it up a lot or, or do you have a particular uh, stroke that you gravitate towards and what is that stroke? Well, when I'm first putting it down, it's a linear mm-hmm. stroke. But when you start to put on more and more, you have a very sharp pencil and you're trying to fill in all the little white paper. So it becomes a mismatch of a, a scribbling or hatching a cross hatching. It's whatever it takes to get a even coating of the color. So it's all about the even coating of the color so that everything is of the same value in my layers. Yeah, and th- that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's something that's important to highlight, I think, that you kind of drop the technique over the the end result, the goal, getting yeah, getting all that. Whatever it takes to get in there, yeah. all the hills and valleys, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that's when I, I've also been experimenting with ink tents on Andromeda. That was my first time using ink tents. It's a, it's a larger drawing, so you don't want to sit there and make 
you know, indigo blue all over your paper. So I discovered the ink tents and I started, first I started drawing with them on the paper. Then I took an X-Acto knife and made a pile of them in a little cup and put water on it, did it that way. And then I figured out, oh, look, they make sticks. So <laughs> that is so <laughs> cool. The sticks and then I started grading the sticks and those things work wonderful, though. I, I hear from your podcast that they're not light fast, so yeah, that's going to make me unhappy. Yeah, but you can make, they are photographed so well that you can make prints of them. That's kind of my justification because I love working with them. Yeah, I just, too. they are one of the most enjoyable mediums to me. So I figured as long as I can make prints, I'm good. It, you know, it just makes me happy to use them. And there's no other medium like it. Like I get on other colored pencil brands, for example. I won't use a colored pencil that is not light fast because there are light fast options out there. But with ink tents, there aren't any they're their own thing there's nothing else quite like it yeah so i just deal with the fact that they're not light fast and i'm not going to sell those originals although i will say i have one now it's only been a year so that doesn't say a whole lot but i was afraid given how many people were saying that they were fading within months and how terrible it was i have it behind uv glass and i put a uv protecting spray over it and it's in indirect sunlight it's been hung in that room that's very bright for a year and there's it has not shifted color at all so it's not quite as bad i don't think as what some people we're making it sound to be, but I still won't sell them. That's okay. I can keep them for myself. Yeah. You, you know, I'm kind of determined to make things work. So I've been kind of doing the Esterol glassless framing technique. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. love that technique, but I'm taking a little bit farther. Abby does a lot of resin in her artwork and she showed me this stuff called art resin, which makes it kind of like a, a thin glass-like shield yeah. that's UV, you know, protective and, and all yeah. that stuff. So I'm kind of playing with that right now. You'll have to keep me up to date on how that goes for you. I'm really interested in that. Oh, yeah. Because I've used that on other projects, not for actual paintings, but I've done... I used to demonstrate some of the products that Michael's carried when I taught classes there. Uh -huh. So that I wouldn't have even thought to use that over ink tents. You'll have to let me know how that goes. Yeah, I, well, I'm going to use it over the whole pencil drawing. So I'm going to... Hopefully, it will just seal everything. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And keep it you know, keep the colors intense. Now, speaking of that Andromeda, when you're looking at this one, and since you did use ink tints, did you do that on every piece of it or just the background? or And did you added water? Just the background, yeah. I basically put it on uh -huh. like paint and, and just gotcha. the background because I wanted the background yeah. dark. and But I want the skin to have that luminous uh, white paper coming through. But then I took the pencil and dipped it in water and made a lot of the little stars. Oh, I haven't done it that way yet. Of all the That's ways neat. I've used ink tints, it, I I've not tried that. I'm going to have to do that. This would be easier for me to keep focused if your artwork was boring, I, I know. in all honesty. I know. I'm just sitting here like so enthralled with this. Like, oh my gosh. Well, and the, the skin tones that, that you're achieving are just so nice. You know, her skin tone, she goes on to a blue. She's more of a blue mm -hmm. scale of skin color. So I know that a lot of the skin colors go into the yellow and it's more of that pale dead fish look that we, <laughs> we have. <laughs> Yeah, which is something that is just, I don't, to me, I, I love that kind of look where you can get the uh, some of those violets and blues in the shadows and all. It's just so neat. Yeah, she's such a perfect canvas. Garden Window. Now, who was your subject matter there? That's a friend of mine's daughter, Tara. Just uh, her and her brother, I would teach them art on the side period. You know, when they have holidays off, they would come over and, and I, you know, we would draw stuff together. And she just had just such a very otherworldly look. And I remember just, uh, I have a, a window that, uh, doors that go out to my patio. And I have this strange vine that every so often just makes these outrageous flowers on them. And you never know when these flowers are going to appear because it's never in this 
spring. It's somewhere in between fall, winter. They're just a very obscure plant. So I just looked at that thinking, God, I would love to draw a face in that window. And when, you know, I just think of Tara and she just has that, that just whimsical look and it just reminded me of the secret garden whenever I saw that. And then I just finished a portrait of her brother. Uh, oh, because I'm going to use this over their head to make them model for me right. more. They owed me. I could get them to pose. <laughs> now, is that up on your site? No, not yet. I just finished it. Uh, in fact, Abby's here taking pictures of it for me. And I think it's on my Instagram, actually. Yes, it's on my Instagram. Now, you do have p- pieces that are obviously much too large to scan. What tips do you have for people who are working larger or even if they're working smaller and just getting good photographs of their artwork because yours are just so crisp and clear and just really yeah. nice. They, yeah, you would they think that like they were scanned. scanned. The image is so clear. That would be Abby. She is the photographer extraordinaire. And she, ha- you know, she has her, she has a little color chart. She has a little gray, gray thingy. I forgot what that is. And she knows how to color check the pictures. And she just, she just does a beautiful job. So I'm very blessed. I need her to come hang out with me. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I can rent her out. <laughs> <laughs> You've been published a lot. Yeah, that, that's another thing. I love books. So if I if I can get to be in a book, I'm going to be really happy. So you have been in several magazines. How did you go about getting published? Did they come to you? Did you submit an article to them? How did that happen? Usually they, they come to me. Yeah, they usually contact me through my website. Yeah, they basically just come to me and, and I will and I just write and let them know what's going on. So was that the case with Southwest Art Magazine and Fine Art Connoisseur, some of those? The Fine Art Connoisseur was on on the Sippy Award. That was 2013. Yeah, that was that was like amazingly weird. It's amazingly weird because I grew up in Brea and that was held in Brea and it was right across the street from where my high school used to be, one of my several high schools. And that high school was demolitioned and made into a shopping mall. And part of the complex that made where the uh, convention, the CPSA convention was being held. So that was just kind of odd all the way around. <laughs> So how long do some of these large pieces take you and how many hours a day do you dedicate to drawing? Those large pieces take months, literally months, because I, I do do hundreds of layers. And then I use a terpenoid to blend the layers together and then I can go over those layers with more layers. So it just takes, I, I'm up here probably eight to 10 hours a day, every day. And I probably achieved my audio status of, of master years ago. In fact, I think Audible needs to get <laughs> You're better right, and bigger, right. like ruler of supreme ruler of the world of books. That would <laughs> not <be> enough badges. <laughs> so. I really think they need a buyer's club, you know, buy 10, get one free or something like that. Because artists, I think we go through those so quickly. Well, they do. They have like these things where you get right. three credits a right. month. So I get my three credits. Yeah, that's what I have. I have that. That's not enough. That's not even close. Yeah, to being enough. Yeah. I know because I'm, re- I'm re-listening to my books forever. So yeah. <laughs> when I found you guys, it was like, awesome, I don't have to buy books. Uh, turn you on to podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of good podcasts, yeah. too. That, that's a that's a thing. They, I found the little podcast. You guys made me find my podcast app on my phone. Didn't know that was there before, huh? <laughs> Which one are you using? I was using the go to Safari, go find oh, the yeah, thing, no. try and get it to load. Yeah. Yeah, when I hear about people doing that, they're like, I went to your site and I'm trying, it's so tiny on my on my phone. Like, no, go get a podcast player. It's so much better and subscribe, you know. Yeah. It just works so much better. Yes, you've opened the world That's awesome. to me. In fact, I, I actually just ordered 
uh, some different colored pencils just to try and broaden my horizon. Which ones are you going to be trying? The Luminous and Polychromos. Yes, I actually, yeah, sucked it up and, and paid for these guys. And the nice thing is they actually play very well together. Yeah. So if you want to keep using your Prismacolor, those, you can use the Polychromos to get the finer detail just for the little things that are difficult to do with Prismas. They're just so nice. Work The oil and wax-based pencils together work so nice. Oh, good. Yeah, because that's what I'm going to be doing. That's awesome. Yeah. So here, I actually have something I want to ask both of your opinions on. Someone got on me about, on one of my recent live streams, to stop calling colored pencils wax or oil-based. They said that, and I know I've seen Karen Dosh, some of their, their responses to people or emails that people have shared. They're trying to tell people that colored pencils are not wax or oil-based. It's just a difference in how much clay and the technical side. And and they were saying that, that Polychromos was actually kind of making the same claims that they're not, they don't know why people are calling them oil-based. Well, they're calling them oil-based because your company has told people for years that that's what right, they are. Right, right. That they're vegetable oil-based. But I'm curious about your guys' opinion on that because I don't see myself changing how I'm wording that. I get that yeah. there is clay and I get that there's a different composition, but it seems to me oil and yeah. wax-based are what people are going to understand. I think it's just layman artist's way of discussing the the product and the material without being scientific about it or being chemists about it. I don't know. What do you think, Holly? No, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't know how my car runs. I certainly don't know how uh, web, the web works. I, I don't know how any of this stuff. It's all magic. It's just magic. Right. But it's a way of discussing the pencil, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It's it's an odd thing because they they all have oil and wax in them. I mean, we know that. And it's just a way of discussing it. It, it. it would be different if the companies themselves would not explicitly say anything about that, which it brings up something that I've thought about recently. Karen Dosh actually doesn't ever discuss on their website or any brochures or anything that I've seen how they would categorize the Pablos, but I emailed them and they told me that they are wax-based pencils, but a lot of people believe they're oil-based. I've seen it published in, in many books that they are oil-based and they're not. That's what they said is that they're, they're more wax, which makes sense. Yeah, and they're not from the company itself. They say that they're wax. So I don't know. It's kind of kind of an interesting thing. But Yeah, it's weird. I'm wondering if we're going to see the companies making a shift towards trying to get us to mm-hmm. not refer to them mm-hmm. that way because they are the ones. That, it's funny to yeah, me that they're saying that. that they don't know where this myth came from. You guys are the ones who told us for yeah. years that that's what they were. Yeah. I mean, yep. not just Karen Dosh specifically, but no, all the all, color all companies. All of them. Yeah, they've all done that. Yeah, I, don't so know. I thought that was really interesting. was curious what your opinions were. You just use them, right? <laughs> right. I, just, I really don't care as long as yeah. it's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm with you on as, that. As long as my car runs, as long as my pencils draw, I'm I'm a happy camp. Right, and 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 that's you know that's a great point because yeah, we can get down in the weeds and it just doesn't matter that much. Yeah, you know, I it, it does concern me the the color fast. Uh, well, yeah, because that I, I really don't want to sell art that no. that's going to disappear. But also, there's the whole thing of telling people it's a color pencil when they're coming in and they look at the artwork and they're like, "What is that?" And you 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 tell them color pencil. There's almost you know a couple of people was like almost dismissed. And so I, I, I thought, well, let's see if I just tell them that it's, oh, yes, I use wax-based pigment to make my art. So how'd that, that go? You know? Yeah. And, and they kind of like, oh, really? Oh, how interesting is that? And, and all of a sudden, my art becomes a whole different level. Have you had that a lot where people are dismissive? 
Uh, I've had a few. Yes. Yeah. I've had some people very dismissive until, uh, you know, I went to a live model class once and I was (laughs) using my my color pencils and they were like, oh, childish of you. Uh And then uh, I took out my terpenoid and I started doing my thing and and they were like, whoa, what? Wait. (laughs) Right. Right. It's a lack of education, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's a perception of childhood, your Crayolas and stuff like that, that I I think, though, there's a lot of artists that are, are like bringing it to the forefront. Now, I'm curious, are they dismissive? before or after they see your work? After they see it, are they still kind of like, oh, it's just colored pencil? Uh, well, after they see it, they're like, they're in shock. Okay, that sounds Because uh, they like, yeah. what? You can do that with colored pencils? You can do that with colored pencils? And then there's the, the other people who like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a portrait artist. Oh, what's your medium? Uh, colored pencil. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, see, I have my <laughs> business card with me all the yeah. time that has at the bottom a, a photorealistic piece I had done. I'd airbrush the background and then the subject is in colored pencil. And I just show them that and it was funny because someone recently was asking me about it and so I showed it to him he's like oh who took this photo I'm like me I mean I took a photo of the artwork and it took a bit for him to understand that was the actual artwork but yeah I see what you mean before you mention you know just saying colored pencil you definitely I've seen that yeah yeah but I I think that people are are beginning to like see it as a medium like pastels or the other drawing you know things that have more prestige than colored pencil yeah, and you know, getting published in magazines and and uh, putting the word out there like like you've done, I think helps a lot in that regard. And I wish more colored pencil artists were thinking along those lines. You know, especially in these magazines that are not predominantly colored pencil. I mean, it it does kind of help put us in in the light and in the forefront. Yeah, that that's what I've actually been entering more competitions that are not about the medium, but right. about the the art. Yeah. And I want people to be blown away by the art and not the medium. I'm trying to think about what I would like to know if I was listening to this and, and I was doing color pencils. Just basically, I want them to absolutely pursue their, I think it's more of the creativity because of the techniques that you can read about color pencils, there, there's so much information out there now. You know, all the uh, YouTube videos, all the books, everything out there. But it, you can build up a skill and, and have a wonderful skill. You can render a beautiful, you know, still life. But you want to portray what it is that you want, your voice in the art, what you want to portray, what you want, your vision of something that you want to share with other people. So you want to find your subject and and really just kind of put it out there and just not be afraid to do that. You know, just explore what it is that you find interesting. I know know people who just have a wonderful technique and they're just all over the map and, and, you know, I'm going to draw this or I'm going to, you know, do that. And they they just, they get frustrated because they they just haven't found their voice in in what they want to say. So it's all about just finding what makes you passionate about what you do. And that's what you need to find in this whole stuff. It's good encouragement. I love that. Thank you. Holly, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm blown away by your art and I'm really honored that you agreed to come on here and do the show with us. Oh, thank you so much. I'm amazed and tickled, and I've been telling everybody, you know, oh, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the people you've you've interviewed, I feel like I am so happy because you have you hit all my favorites. So <laughs> that's good. Good to know. All right. Well, as always, the show notes will be over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And if you like the show, tell someone else about it or give us a rating or review on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. And you can always contact us podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.
those doofuses. Dang it, I had a question and it just flew out my head. Yeah, well, I could say that I actually licked the tip, but then I, my daughter will probably hit me. You're brilliant. She was talking to me, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, he likes to edit them so it sounds like I said or did something that I completely did not. Just magic.